Can a company that causes losses and injuries to hundreds of thousands of individuals and businesses walk away clean by filing bankruptcy? I'm Dan Ringer, and we'll talk about getting away with it through bankruptcy right now on The Law Works. From West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Closed captioning for The Law Works is made possible by a grant from the Monongalia County Bar Association to support legal information and education for all West Virginians. The Law Works is made possible by major grants from the West Virginia Attorney General and from Software Systems Incorporated, a West Virginia company established in 1975 which provides high-end support services, programming, and consulting for county government AS400 mid-range computer systems as well as PC-based systems, and by a grant from the West Virginia Bar Foundation. The West Virginia Bar Foundation, the philanthropic organization for West Virginia's legal profession and justice system, promoting public knowledge of the law in West Virginia. Bankruptcy can provide a person or a business with a chance to start over when things get out of control. But what of the people who suffer as a result of the bankruptcy? My guest is attorney Martin P. Sheehan. Marty, welcome back. Hi, Dan. How are you? You practice a lot of bankruptcy law. I, I have over the years, that's right. One capacity or another. What happens when a company does something arguably wrong, people get inconvenienced, hurt, maybe terribly, maybe minimally, but the company perceives a liability and they just don't have the money to comfortably handle it, so they file a bankruptcy petition. Well, Dan, in most lawsuits in, in, uh, that we're familiar with, um, the person you're suing has the ability to pay you one way or another. But there are circumstances that exist in our economy today where you can do more harm uh, than the value of all of your assets together. When a company does that, all of its assets are at risk to pay the bill. The bankruptcy process is really designed to figure out a way to extract the value of the assets and to pay those to the creditors so that everybody gets what they would have gotten um, if you completely took the company apart and uh, caused that money to go to them company may survive that exercise in some new format. The assets as a collective group might be preserved because the value of the whole had exceeded the value of the parts. And the bankruptcy process is designed to preserve value and to preserve the usefulness of the collection of assets. One of the things that I've always perceived of being true of bankruptcy is it's complex and it's confusing. It is complicated. Um, Bankruptcy lawyers tend to talk a slightly different language than the rest of the bar. And we do that because we are sort of concerned about the problem that exists when the value of the claims exceed the value of the assets. We've gotten used to dealing with that problem. The bar as a whole generally doesn't confront that issue. Generally, <clears throat> when a client comes to a lawyer and they say, I've been hurt, the lawyer says, well, I can try to help you recover that money that 
technique or the mechanism is to sue somebody, I look at you and I say, Marty, you hurt my client in a car wreck or whatever it was, call your insurance company and the insurance company will come in and provide you with a defense and tell me how much money is available and we look at it and say, well, you know, give me as much as I can get or give me what I'm entitled to or whatever the mechanism Certainly. is. Certainly. If you're hurt in a car accident and the injury seems small, there's probably plenty of coverage. We can reimburse you, we can pay your medical bills, we can do those things. Occasionally, we've all heard of those car wrecks involving children where people are rendered quadriplegics and it doesn't matter how much money is available, there's never going to be enough insurance coverage to make that person legally whole. You can't fix them. Medicine isn't, doesn't have a magic wand. But you can't even pay for the medicine that's necessary in a circumstance. And so we've seen that problem on the individual basis uh, from time to time. It's, thankfully, it's pretty rare. Mostly there is insurance. Mostly people who have done some harm uh, try to fix it and try to make good. And people are willing to live with a certain amount of inconvenience in their lives and move on. Well, one of the truths is in our system, the only way sometimes I can make you whole, I can't fix your arm, I can't fix your leg or take you out of a wheelchair, so we just give you money. That's right, and we, and we have a process for evaluating what it was you took away from me, um, translating it into money, and then trying to say, give him the monetary equivalent of what you took away from him. Um, and, and that's our that's our tort system. Well, I don't think it would surprise anyone if we said at this point what we're talking about is the Freedom Industries uh, chemical spill in in the Elk River. I was going to say in Kanawha County, but it, it was a nine-county area that was affected by this. And the simple fact of the matter is, within within hours, not even many days, within hours after the spill, Freedom Industries filed a petition in bankruptcy in the Southern District of West Virginia. Oh, I think it was a couple of days, Dan, but that's hours. That's, okay. that's 48 hours. Okay. <laughs> At any rate, they filed a petition in bankruptcy, and people were up in arms, outraged, and they had a lot of, of serious questions about what that meant to them. Was somebody going to get away with this uh, by filing bankruptcy somehow? And add on top of all of that, there were discussions about loans being made by people who were uh, intimates in the company. Uh, to the company, and it looked as though they were protecting their own interests at the expense of 300,000 people and Lord knows how many businesses they had to shut down for a couple of weeks. Well, I, 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 we've kind of talked about those issues before we started the show, and so let me kind of start at the beginning. Uh, Freedom Industries is a corporation. It is a legal person. It owns some things. Uh, it has a, a legal existence. It is apparently insured. I talked to their lawyers uh, this Monday. We happen to be together. And uh, so that's a person. Now, uh, sometimes we don't like corporate structures and we'd like to look at the individuals who are the owners and the shareholders and that kind of thing. But there are restrictions that exist in a lot of circumstances for going after those people. It's why they set up corporations to start a business in the first place. My understanding is Freedom has been in business for 30 plus years. So it's been set up a long time as a corporate structure. So uh, it's not necessarily correct that we want to look at the owners or the in those individuals unless there's something wrong in the corporate structure they're responsible for on a personal basis. So the assets that are normally at stake are the assets of Freedom. Freedom Industries. Freedom Industries. 
And that consists of not a lot of assets, I would think. A couple of leaking tanks, maybe. <laughs> well, um, I read in the paper they have 50-plus employees. So I read that they've had 14 tanks. I'm assuming that they own some trucks. Um, you're correct that one of the individuals uh, who's associated with Freedom uh, has formed a new corporation, and it lent approximately $4 million to Freedom, and it took back a claim against uh, assets of the company. Um, you and I talked about, is that a conflict of interest? And my response, my response is to ask you a question, Dan. Who do you think would lend $4 million to a company um, with that is the track record that you're identifying, the, the company that's in that much trouble? It's not a loan you get from an ordinary bank. Uh, it's the need for cash of that company is tremendous. And so what has happened is someone has agreed to lend it money as long as they can have a claim against the assets of the company that are not previously tied up with some other lender. So, so if they had borrowed money from a bank to build these tanks or to buy the trucks, the bank is in first position to sell the tanks and the trucks? Normally that's true. So and the I person who loans them the money comes in in a second position so that if the tanks and the trucks are sold, the bank gets paid off, and if there's any money left over, the person who just loaned the money uh, to the company gets some or all of the rest of it. That's right, and it's what we call a blanket lien uh, is normally how you'd pursue that. You'd take, an ass you'd take a lien against all the existing assets of the company, and uh, it's really a trade for the current value of the assets versus the current loan. And in this case, you're right, they are related, but I would expect that the loan might have exceeded the value of the assets and not the other way around. But what, what happens to Hal's Hamburger Haven down the river who had to close for two weeks, lost hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of dollars worth of business, or Mary Margaret Smith who lives a little further down the river who is now afraid to drink the water, maybe ruined her clothes and washing them, Part of the problem is we do not understand the full effects of this spill, but people are afraid. Some people are going to be entitled to money because things would have happened to them as a result of it, like House Hamburger Haven. And I want to answer that question, Dan, but I want to finish the process of the loan first so that people really are, understand that there was nothing underhanded happened there. What happens is uh, there was some debtor in possession financing that needs to be approved by a bankruptcy judge. My understanding is the judge was very careful to make sure that he was not approving a sale of the assets to some other company disguised as a loan. He wanted to make sure that whatever value could be preserved for the benefit of creditors was being preserved in the process. And so they originally came in and suggested it would be a $5 million loan, and he said no, and they ultimately they agreed on a $4 million loan. And so I know the judge, and I know the integrity with which he's trying to make sure that assets are preserved for creditors. So there is a, an approval process. Part of what he wanted to see was he wanted to see a listing of all the assets, and he wanted to see all of those things happen to make sure that every nickel that Freedom could possibly pay uh, to, to make this situation right would be available for people. And that's really the beginning of the process that we call bankruptcy. 
Uh, we're talking about getting away with it through bankruptcy. My guest is attorney Martin P. Sheehan. I'm Dan Ringer, and this is The Law Works. What you describe makes it sound like the bankruptcy judge, uh, Ronald Pearson is the bankruptcy judge, uh, is trying to make the best of a bad situation. Bankruptcy is always making the best of a bad situation, Dan, and that's where we are. As I said, the problem is freedom probably has bills that exceed the value of its assets no matter what we do. If I just said 300,000 people in the nine-county area were inconvenienced and had to buy two, two cases of water, I'm at $10, and if I do the math, I'm at $3 million without even worrying about inconvenience, closing a business's potential medical harm. Um, uh, people who've ingested water in their medical bills. Um, uh, my daughter was in the area. Uh, on, I did not know that. She's uh, pregnant with uh, another of my grandchildren. And so uh, there's a question, I, I think we all have one, about, you know, is this, is her ingestion of water over this period going to cause a problem? So she's a claimant, um, and, um, and you'd have those kinds of things that would occur. And, and that's the tragedy of it, is we don't know it, it, her injuries, her child's injuries, your grandchild's injuries, may be nothing, or they may be quite serious, and you're going to spend months now waiting for that shoe to drop. We are. Now, but, under West Virginia law, you're not hurt. You don't get anything for that. That's fine with me. But your daughter and your grandchild may be. They may be, and uh, you know, hopefully, we don't have a we don't have a serious claim for damages, but. There may be a claim for some extra monitoring and uh, that kind of stuff. My daughter is a nurse, and so she was, uh, she knows more what's available than I do. The curious thing about this is I didn't ask Marty to be on the show because of this. In fact, we had already scheduled uh, this show before you found out about it. I didn't even know she was in uh, Charleston at the time period. Normally, she lives in the wheeling area with us. and. Uh, it's a, um, I was really shocked when she told me last weekend. It's, it's pretty hard to find somebody who lives in West Virginia who is not family member of, friends with, uh, involved in business with, somebody who, I, I would say it was harmed by this event, but when you say harmed, it, it says hurt, and we don't know yet. We well, just lawyers, don't know. We, as lawyers, we know. If you were inconvenienced, then you were harmed and you have a legally cognizable claim. But if I just take the, the what I'm going to call the less serious claims, people who are just inconvenienced. You couldn't take a shower for a couple days in the Charleston area. You had to go out to a cabin somewhere. You had to rent a room to get a shower. Um, you know, we're concerned about those people. They have a real expense. But those people are probably telling you that's how life works. But if you've ingested water, if you have a restaurant in downtown Charleston where closed for a week and lost business, if you were employed as a waiter or waitress in those, your regular bills for rent came due, and you probably didn't earn any money or collect any tips or those kinds of things. So the, the harm has repercussions. So there's no question, I think, we can sit here today, and if I told you the Freedom was worth $4 million, and if I told you there was $3 million in insurance coverage, kind of a guess number I've heard so far, uh, and that there were $7 million to distribute, um, I think we could cut that money up and start distributing it right away. And that's before we take some money off the top because the companies agreed to remove the tanks and do some environmental remediation. And clearly, I think we'd all agree that we want them to start fixing things and make sure there are no further problems and that's what the first dollars that get spent should be spent on. But even at that, if we have 
300,000 individuals, we won't even talk about the businesses, let's talk about the individuals, 300,000 individuals, and there is a million dollars to distribute among 300,000 individuals, it's $3 a person. Dan, it would cost you a lot of money to write 300,000 checks. I mean, we, we, and to send them out in the mail, they're, they're 49 cents for the postage. I mean, it's, it, 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 the money just gets chewed up in, a, in an incredibly artificial way. And uh, the, the goal of the bankruptcy system ought to be to make sure that the injured people get the money and that the lawyers, who are going to do a lot of work, uh, don't necessarily burn the money but on themselves in trying to argue about things where we should be making a deal early in the case or trying to cut up the pie so that people understand it in a sensible way. Our tort system, as nice as it is for an individual case, is not really designed to deal with these. This is what we call a mass tort problem and we've seen some of these and they've gotten solved in the bankruptcy court system in the past. Uh, one of the breakthrough cases was uh, the Johns Mansell bankruptcy case that dealt with an asbestos problem. Uh, uh, in this area of the country, a more uh, well-known case is the A.H. Robbins case where they dealt with problems uh, with women um, of childbearing age who had used an IUD and it turned out to be a problem and the damages for any individual claimant in those cases were very high because they affected the ability of people to procreate. Well, can we tell the viewers who live in the nine counties that were affected or who have family members in the nine counties that were affected it's okay, we're going to take care of your people, the court will see that they're compensated? We can't. What the bankruptcy court can say is that we will take the available resources to the best of our ability, we'll try and do something so that everybody gets a slice of what is available to compensate them in some way. The bankruptcy court, and as people, we don't have the miracle that we heard in the Bible of the loaves and the fishes to magnify a certain fixed quantity of food and make it be enough food to feed the 5,000. And so that's really the problem that we're looking at today and it's a problem that's going to, uh, that infects the system. It's why we have bankruptcy. There's not enough money to pay all the bills that are out there. We're talking about getting away with it through bankruptcy. My guest is attorney Martin P. Sheehan. I'm Dan Ringer and this is The Law Works. Well, I, I use the phrase getting away with it through filing bankruptcy. Is somebody getting away with it here? No, because legally freedom is going to lose all of the unencumbered assets, all the assets that you would have gotten in a lawsuit against them, and all the insurance money that's reasonably going to be available will go to pay those claims. The well, it's going to go to clean up the site first because we want to stop that and if that costs two or three million dollars that's a big part of the insurance monies uh, that we think might be available the guy who loaned them four million dollars he's going to get want to get paid back does he get paid back first he's a secured creditor he will get paid at some level out of the assets that exist but remember we took his four million dollars and we spent it so um, paying him back is not necessarily an unfair proposition but he's likely to end up owning the company and if you just bought $4 million worth of assets to try and um, be in the tank business again, Dan, there's nothing wrong with being in the tank business. What's wrong with being in the tank business is having leaking tanks. And he's not buying leaking tanks. They're, my understanding is they're taking the tanks down. That's what we've been told. Uh, and so this business is largely, um, from my view, going to be defunct. Maybe the trucks go somewhere else, but you know, trucks have a pretty fixed value. Uh, 
we can estimate the value of tank trucks and that kind of stuff. Uh, they can be sold on the used market. So it's not a it's not a particular difficulty in figuring out what they're worth. So let's send somebody to jail. That's a different problem altogether. It's unrelated to the bankruptcy. Uh, we are not the Soviet Union where they have your bankruptcy hearing and then start the criminal proceeding. We only send people to jail in America if, if you've done something, mostly if you've done something intentionally wrong. We do have some liability statutes for people who've been reckless, but that's outside of what I think we want to talk about in the bankruptcy system and uh, you know whether there should have been review or inspections. I think that's something we want to know. That's certainly something from a regulatory perspective. I know the governor's made some efforts now to try and close the barn door. Um, you know, sometimes we talk about closing it after there's been a problem, but certainly he's closing it before there's another problem. We didn't regulate these things very well. We didn't, didn't require them to be inspected regularly. Yeah. Unless 1999 to 2014, as we're told, is the inspection period is regular, I suppose, in the universal scheme of things, it might be. But I mean, there's just so much here. It seems like we, we, you and I, your daughter, the 300,000 people in, in the Kanawha River Valley, the Elk River Valley, depend on the companies that make money from the state, the government that is supposed to oversee the state. We depend on them to keep us safe, and it looks like it just didn't happen in this case. And we can complain about that, Dan, but at some level we all engage in risky behavior. Not every activity is insured to cover every possibility. Uh, we require uh, people in business in West Virginia to maintain certain minimum levels of insurance. We talked, for example, about the regular tort system and the automobile uh, rules. There are requirements to have mandatory insurance in West Virginia. I think the mandatory limits are $20,000. Uh, you can get involved in an automobile accident cause more than $20,000 damage uh, to somebody else without really thinking about it. And so we have an issue. If you want to argue about whether we should change those things, that's all fine. But it doesn't change what the bankruptcy problem is, which is to take a fixed amount of assets that might be augmented through insurance, uh, that might be augmented in some other ways, uh, and to distribute that to people who have claims that are dramatically in excess of whatever is going to be available. To me, the problem here is how do we magnify the pot and have a fair distribution of proceeds uh, as promptly as we can possibly uh, accomplish that result. Do you see any reasonable way that Freedom Industries as a going concern is going to survive this? Well, legally it might, and you might say some technical way that the, the company survives. They filed a Chapter 11 reorganization petition, but you can liquidate in a Chapter 11 petition as well. So the long-term prospects, I, I can't tell you, but I would expect that this site's going to be closed, that the assets that used to be Freedom's will essentially be sold one way or another to people who are going to pay fair market value for them and uh, then a pool of money will be created to pay claims. And that's basically what I see happening. How are the priority of the claims determined or how is the priority determined? The, well, the good news is we're in Chapter 11 and so you can create classes of claims uh, that are uh, a little bit different. There are some provisions in the law that require some people to be paid uh, ahead of others. So, for example, we will pay for 
administrative expenses, and in this case, that'll include the cost of taking down the tanks. All the bills the company has going forward will get paid uh, at 100% level. So if you're a contractor and you're taking down the tanks, we know that you're going to get paid. If you are involved in, in squeegeeing or however else they get, whatever this chemical is out of the water or off the land, those people are going to get paid. And we think intellectually that makes some sense. The employees of the company are still working, doing some stuff. They transported this product from one place to another. Those people will get paid. We want the wage people to get paid. Um, the lawyers will get paid because they're doing some real work to make sure that this, all of this rest of this stuff uh, happens. At some point, we pay taxes. It's a significant priority in this kind of a case. And then we'll be in a situation where we'll start to distribute the money among classes. And so I might say to you that um, I'm the owner of a business, and we had a shutdown for three or four days. Um, a re little restaurant in Charleston. So we might put all of the people who lost income uh, from uh, operations of a business in a, cl in a class to get a, a, a piece of the pie. So the people who are annoyed and inconvenienced, they're going to be toward the bottom of the list, aren't they? Yeah, I, probably. And I think that those people would probably prefer that. I Normally... Normally, we prefer people over stuff. So I'm going to tell you that last week I was hearing at a, at, a, at a facility I was at in Wheeling about somebody who was lactating women. We might want to put those people in a class at the top of the list. We might want to put other people in another category and, um, and just do the best we can. Well, Marty, thank you very much for being with us. I hope your daughter does well. I, and, I do too. And yours also. Thank you for being with us on behalf of the Law Works. I'm Dan Ringer. Good evening. If you would like to suggest a topic for a future The Law Works show, or if you're a school teacher and would like to receive a DVD of this show for classroom use, send us an email to thelawworks at comcast.net or visit us on Facebook. On the LawWorks website at thelawworks.org, you'll find a listing of recent The LawWorks programs, additional information about this show's topic, and video of this and recent shows. You can also find The LawWorks programs on YouTube and iTunes. The LawWorks is produced in cooperation with the Office of the West Virginia Attorney General, the West Virginia Bar Foundation, the Mountain State Bar, the Monongahela County Bar Association, and the West Virginia University College of Law. The Law Works is made possible by major grants from the West Virginia Attorney General and from Software Systems Incorporated, a West Virginia company established in 1975 which provides high-end support services, programming, and consulting for county government AS400 mid-range computer systems as well as PC-based systems, and by a grant from the West Virginia Bar Foundation. The West Virginia Bar Foundation the philanthropic organization for West Virginia's legal profession and justice system, promoting public knowledge of the law in West Virginia. Additional support for the Law Works is provided by the West Virginia Supreme Court of Appeals. From West Virginia Public Broadcasting, 